0: Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tremel Gomes, reporting from the Florida Capitol, where Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed announces federal help is finally on the way for low-income families.
1: Uh, this program will provide over $1 billion for our state. Which works out to be 375 dollars per child for families that qualify for the program.
0: Taking a break from his legal troubles, Republican Congressman Matt Gates goes after the Joint Chiefs of Staff over the nation's withdrawal from Afghanistan.
2: But if we didn't have a president that was so addled, you all would be fired because that is what you deserve you-
0: And flood insurance rates are set to soar for some residents throughout the state beginning in October. And people in those areas
3: affected by what are now identified as flood areas, will see either uh, reduced subsidies, no subsidies, or certainly, in any event, more expensive flood insurance.
0: Today's Sunrise interview is with Bob Diffenderfer, a shareholder at Lewis Longman & Walker, where he tracks complex environmental and land use matters. He joins the program to talk about flood insurance and explains why some across the state will see steep insurance rate hikes. We check in on some of the top stories trending around the state and capital, plus we have your calendar of political events and more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics.
1: Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Online sports betting, it's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at FloridaEducationChampions.com.
0: It's National Chewing Gum Day. I, for one, have not done that in a long time, but I do love people on this National Love People Day. In 1927, American baseball player Babe Ruth became the first player to hit 60 home runs. In 1976, California enacted the Natural Death Act of California. The law was the first example of right-to-die legislation in the United States. Jean Bertrand Aristide was overthrown by Brigadier General Raoul Sudras. Aristide was later returned to power. And in 1993, U.S. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Colin Powell retired. Wednesday's House Armed Services Committee hearing on the conclusion of military operations in Afghanistan, Republican Congressman Matt Gates was blusterous as he launched grenades against the Joint Chiefs, particularly its chairman, General Mark Milley, over his fondness for speaking with reporters.
2: You have let down the people who wear the uniform in my district and all around this country, and you're far more interested in what your Perception is, and how people think about you in insider Washington books, than you care about winning. This time group is incapable of
0: doing. Gates held up a copy of General Milley's book. Luckily, he only threw words instead of the book at the general.
2: We're questioning, in your official capacity, going and undermining the chain of command, which is obviously what you did. You, you've created this whole chain. Did not undermine the chain narrative. of command. Yeah, you did. You absolutely Sorry. did. And it. Did not. Well, you know what you said yesterday that you weren't going to resign when senators asked you this question and i believe that you guys probably won't resign you seem to be very happy failing up over there but if we didn't have a president that was so addled you all would be fired
0: aside from this showcase behind the scenes gates has been lawyering up to fight a federal investigation into sex crimes in the spring, news broke that he was under investigation for paying women for sex and separately for sleeping with a minor and transporting her across state lines. Florida is among the last states in the nation to win federal approval for a pandemic food stamps assistance program, which Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed has been calling on Governor DeSantis to apply for.
1: Um, I don't know why uh, he, this was such a fight for him. Um, I I don't know if it was politically motivated. I don't know if DCF dropped the ball. Um, And then when we called them out on it, they had to come up with some excuse. Um, But regardless, at the end of the day, the money is coming down to our families across the state of Florida and we are so Um, We are so excited for this money. We all fought really hard for trying to elevate this conversation.
0: Through this program that will distribute more than $1 billion, families with children in poverty will receive an additional $375 in benefits over a 30-day period beginning on November 15th. The program is aimed at helping an estimated 2.7 million children in the state.
1: $375 may not sound like a lot to some people, But for many Floridians, it will make all the difference in the world, providing money to shop for groceries so this week's paychecks can cover rent or car payments.
0: Today's Sunrise interview is with Bob Diffenderfer, a shareholder at Lewis Longman & Walker, where he tracks complex environmental and land use matters. He's here to talk about flood insurance and what's going to trigger some across the state to see steep insurance rate hikes come October 1st. All right, so flood insurance increases are set to take effect in October and its impact will be nationwide. Just to help get us some background, what is going on with flood insurance and and these rates? The Federal
3: Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, has gone through an effort to update their flood maps. And the flood maps reflect where FEMA will and will not permit subsidized federal flood insurance. So when the maps change, the federal regulatory program concerning uh, flood insurance changes in response to the maps. The updating of the maps in Florida shows, not surprisingly, the effects of sea level rise. So you see today um, a number of areas that were not previously identified in flood zones showing up today as being at risk from inundation. So with that mapping change, the program of flood insurance responds to that and people in those areas affected by what are now identified as flood areas will see either uh, reduced subsidies, no subsidies, or certainly in any event more expensive flood insurance.
0: How do you see this impacting affluent areas with mansions and other large homes and areas where there are like more standard homes and townhomes?
3: In South Florida, at least, if you're living on the water, you can probably tolerate an increase in your flood insurance, but it's not going to be an issue for somebody with millions of dollars worth of property to pay a few thousand dollars more in flood insurance. Where you will see an effect is in the rivers and in the areas that may connect to the ocean that are more remote from the coast, but where you still are seeing the effects of sea level rise and increased uh, inundation those areas are more modest or certainly not the not the coastal waterfront pricing. That could have an effect on whether people want to stay in those areas.
0: The changes to the way the federal insurance premiums are determined will take effect on October 1st, but I'm also seeing Republican U.S. Representative Vern Buchanan He signed on to a bipartisan letter to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarty calling for a delay. What do you make of that?
3: That's a not unexpected result. I think we have seen in the past, whenever changes are proposed to this program, those people affected get hold of their federal representatives to ask them to intervene in the issue. Whether they get a delay in implementation in Florida today uh, or not. If, if there is a delay, then obviously costs associated with increased flood insurance premiums will be pushed off a little bit. But what's not pushed off is the physical reality giving rise to the map change in the first instance. You know, The mapping exercised by FEMA I think, gives a good spatial visual presentation to people of the effects of climate change. And the reality of that is something that certainly waterfront property owners, but local governments and others in South Florida need to be paying attention to. So whether the premium increase gets delayed or not, the sea level rise increase is happening irrespective.
0: So do you think this delay should occur or should things stay the course? That's a, I mean, I hate to punt,
3: that's a policy question for the federal government. You know, on the issue of, you hear the fairness issues about um, flood insurance program, you know, should folks elsewhere in the country who are taxpayers and federal government support insurance subsidies in high hazard coastal areas and coastal areas in a place like Florida. You know, the farmers in the Midwest probably think the same thing, um, you know, for floods on the river. So, you know, the question of fairness and, and spreading the risk around across the taxpayers is you know, there's a policy question they've got to grapple with. The reality for landowners and local governments in Florida is that you do see the effects on the ground today. So whether the insurance program Uh, follows those effects on the ground or it gets pushed off. The planning reality uh, is something that local governments in Florida have got to deal with right now.
0: So in seeing and reviewing these changes and these updates to this clearer picture of the impact of climate change, what areas are, are most concerning to you
3: most people tend to think of it on a like property by property basis. You know, The map has changed. What does that do to my house? You know, from a local government point of view, at least in South Florida down here, you have to look at the effect overall on the entire coastline. This is a heavily built environment down here. There's a lot of very expensive property and not just the individual property, but the infrastructure which supports that is as much at risk as the properties themselves. So for example, you've got water and sewer lines in the ground that may have been in the ground for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years in some communities down here. The effect of sea level rise on that hidden infrastructure is just as important as the effect of sea level rise on particular beachfront property or canal side property. For local governments, You need to think about what does this increase uh, in sea level mean from a replacement, from a relocation point of view, uh, for the public infrastructure that supports development in South Florida. And that, I think, is something that local governments are keenly aware of here. I know the legislature last year appropriated some planning money for local governments to deal with resiliency. I think that was a good idea. I think there needs to be more of that.
0: Thanks to attorney Bob Diffenderfer for joining the program. Here's your calendar of events. The Florida Commission on Offender Review will meet in Duval County at 9. The Florida Commission on Human Relations will meet at 10. Attorney General Ashley Moody is holding a news conference in Doral to honor members of the Hispanic Police Officer Association with her Thin Line Tribute Initiative. That's at 10. The Florida Supreme Court is scheduled to release its regular weekly opinions at 11. Florida Department of Environmental Protection Secretary Sean Hamilton is scheduled to give a keynote speech during the annual Florida Water Forum held by Associated Industries of Florida. That's at 5 in Orlando at the Rosen Shingle Creek. And Holly Bell, Cannabis Director at the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, will hold a remote town hall meeting to discuss hemp industry issues. That's at 3. With Florida's minimum wage increasing today to $10 an hour and eventually $15 an hour, one lawmaker has filed a proposal that would allow employers to pay a lower training wage. On Wednesday, Republican Senator Jeff Brandis filed Constitutional Amendment SJR 382 for consideration during the legislative session that will start in January. It calls for allowing the legislature to establish a minimum training wage that employers could pay to workers for six months after they are hired. And finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's sunrise. I'm tramel Gomes at the Capitol, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture.